We've all been conditioned to think that failure is the worst thing that can happen to us. But failure is not the issue. The problem is not knowing how to recover when we do fail. If we don't take big risks, how will we truly know what our limits are? If we don't try to fail, how can we ever succeed? The Audacity to Fail is a podcast built to inspire others to take more audacious actions in their personal and professional lives and make their dreams happen despite their fear and the possibility of failure. In this episode, I'm going to share a lesson that took me nearly 30 years to learn that is finally helping me get out of my own way. This episode has been the hardest to record because it's the most vulnerable I must be. After the last podcast episode with Devon Franklin, I started to get a ton of feature requests from individuals who wanted to be on this podcast solely to promote their product or service and frame it around being open and vulnerable. While I'm entirely for sharing, supporting, and promoting a product or service by a guest, especially if it helps you, the listener, and allows me to give back to them for being a guest. That's not why I have them as guests. It's them and who they are as human beings. Their product or service is merely a relevant byproduct or subpoint. This podcast is not some form of hustle, money grab, or fame grab. In many ways, it's the total opposite. I don't have any paid sponsors and I'm not looking for them. Nor do I have a weekly or monthly schedule of releasing episodes to avoid this podcast feeling like another job versus being an audio space to learn, share, and grow from. I created this podcast as a form of public therapy and public accountability after being hit with extreme self-doubt, burnout, depression, anxiety, and hopelessness in 2020. To many, I'm seen as the most confident and ambitious trailblazer they know, that I knew. By the end of 2020, all of that inner magic vanished. My near unrealistic optimism and keep moving forward idealism were nearly gone. The truth is, the mask I've been wearing for so long didn't just fall off, it was irreparably shattered. And all of the fear, doubt, Anger and self-sabotaging avoidance I tucked away revealed its ugly head. I was forced to confront and take accountability for the blocks and limitations I've allowed my subconscious mind to carry for years. Instead of facing it and taking it head on, I chose the wrong response and it nearly tore me apart. Maybe it was the global shutdown due to COVID-19. Maybe It was the back-to-back deaths of Black people due to police brutality. Maybe it was listening to the audio of Elijah McClain politely ask the cops not to kill him. Maybe it was the fear of one day having to have the talk with my now two-year-old Black son. Maybe it was the pressure of being a CEO of a tech startup seeking funding while trying to look past the fact that less than 1% of Black-owned startups get venture funding. It was likely all of them and then some. It's ironic that it took the year 2020 to make many of us finally see ourselves with a 2020 vision. Either way, 
I was in an emotional place of questioning my own happiness and purpose and feeling like there was no point of it all. I felt like a dog chasing its tail to hustle, hustle, hustle nonstop, regardless of its effects on my mental and physical health. In the last episode with Devon Franklin, he said that when you don't feel enough, you can never do enough to be enough. It's like you're eating and eating and never getting full. That's the revelation I had toward the end of 2020 that made my mask fall off. Looking at my inner mirror, I saw my reflection in ego not as I wanted them to be, but how they were. If I fake complete confidence and fake feeling fool, maybe it will inevitably calm down and drown out and delete my fears and insecurities. Nope. What did my true reflection reveal specifically? It revealed that I was wasting my time working hard toward a goal I truly didn't believe I could reach. I had and am still working through changing an I want to mindset into an I'm going to mindset. There is a huge path changing difference between the two. To want is both a declaration of desire and defeat. I want to lose weight. I want to get out of debt. I want to travel. It doesn't empower action, just longing, which is why but is commonly the first word of the next sentence or clause. I want to lose weight, but. Or I want to get out of debt, but. We either say it out loud consciously or say it inside subconsciously. But when the word want is said or thought, the word but is usually close by. And I'm going to mindset is pre-declaring the success of a desire before or while going for it. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to travel. You can almost feel the difference. Imagine yourself truly believing that versus just saying it. Think about a goal or desire you have right now. And right now, say it out loud. Say it. I'm going to... One more time, say it out loud to yourself. I'm going to imagine all of the excuses or potential reasons why you feel you can't reach that goal or desire disappear in thin air and replace those reasons with visuals of you already having that desire. Make those visuals so vivid that whichever senses are involved in that desire, you can almost feel, see, touch, taste. Unfortunately, I didn't do that. I had an I want to mindset on my more significant desires and goals with an I'm going to mindset on plans that wouldn't hurt if they didn't work out. Ever since I was a child, my goal has been to be the CEO of a company that would give me the creative freedom to experiment, create, and invent new ways of bringing families together through imagination. It started with my obsession with Willy Wonka. I remember the first time I saw the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I was about five or six years old. The children in that film annoyed me, but I was mesmerized by the idea that this man had so much freedom to create whatever he wanted and lived inside a world he created than a factory. He had limitless creative ability unaffected by the words can't or impossible. While other kids wanted to be doctors, lawyers, firefighters, and veterinarians, I wanted to be Willy Wonka. I still do. 
In that story, each child was with an adult, and both the child and adult bonded when experiencing Wonka's creation. It impacted me so much that I've spent all my life with the ultimate goal of creating something that had the same effect on adults and children while giving me the creative freedom to be like Wonka. As a 90s child, the closest real-life representation of Willy Wonka was Walt Disney and Jim Henson. Both Wonka-like figures who created empires with fantasy and storytelling as their chocolate. So I started drawing and telling stories. Walt Disney got his start in Kansas City, where I grew up, so I, I felt it was kismet to follow in his footsteps. As I got older, more Wonka-like CEOs emerged, like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk, who I also look up to immensely. Being inspired by them led me to where I am today, with the broad creative skill set and education I have in reaching that goal. But there was one trait about Walt Jim, Steve, and Elon that I don't share. They are all white. There has yet to be a Black CEO who has reached the same Willy Wonka-like success that Walt, Steve, Jim, and Elon have. With all of the inspiration I got from these men and their work, that one detail manifested in my mind like a virus, and I let it sit in my subconscious and cripple me in secret. But that wasn't the only thing. When I searched for imaginative stories that featured fictional or magical worlds with kids just being kids away from adult issues, I, I couldn't find one that featured non-white or non-animal protagonists. Where the Wild Things Are, Peter Pan, Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, heck, even Toy Story and Harry Potter are led by white characters. Everything that I found with people who looked like me or about or had some subtext of slavery, the civil rights movement, or historical stories about the first black this or that, which still called back to oppression in many underlying ways. Even with the recent release of Black Panther and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, racial injustice and civil rights themes were still prominent. Don't get me wrong. I think that those stories are essential and must be told. They have to be told. But black kids also need imaginative, nonsensical stories where their otherness or history of oppression isn't in the plot, the subplot, or the theme. Stories where there aren't just the single Black friend in a group who dances and says Black catchphrases to make the story cool, or the comedic or servant-like sidekick. No one looked like me in the man I wanted to become, and no character looked like me in the type of stories I love the most. Children aspire to be what they can realistically see themselves as. And while I had the goal of becoming Willy Wonka-like, it became harder to see myself as that. And because of that, I allowed the virus of doubt to spread even faster. In the spirit of being the change you want to see, I've spent the last 10 years creating stories I wanted as a child. However, when I sought agents and publishers to represent and publish those stories, I was told that my work didn't capture the Black experience enough, that they only publish books with historical Black figures, or that my story should be more urban. Through my anger and refusal to give up, I spent a year learning how publishing companies operate and how the best books are made 
and created my own publishing company to produce books with a quality that was indistinguishable from or better than the publishers who rejected, no, who redirected me. There is no such thing as rejection in life, only redirection. When you feel rejected, you are simply being redirected to better energy. I was so blinded by my anger and subconscious doubt that I couldn't see God redirecting me toward my childhood goal. The feelings of redirection are our ego attaching itself to one person, one experience, or one route in life's GPS. Through constant redirections, I gained the skills and education needed to reach my goal, but I kept wasting my time working harder for outside validation to tell me that I was good enough. (sighs) I am a table maker who was more concerned about getting a seat at other tables than making my own. Even though I said what I just said, (laughs) to this day, I still battle that self-doubt. In a previous episode, I said that happiness and success are not destinations. They are found through contentment and gratitude in seeing where you are right now and how far you've come to be where you are right now. Yet, because of mental blocks, we hold happiness and success hostage and for ransom. It's it's like saying, I refuse to feel success until future pays me my ransom. (laughs) You, You hear how silly that sounds? I came to that revelation of happiness and success in January of this year from fighting depression and burnout. While I'm not entirely where I want to be, I became who I set out to become. I make a living creating imaginative stories featuring children who look like me that bring adults and children together, produced and published from a company I own. While I still face opposition in the form of racism, envy, and bigotry from peers and gatekeepers, I also blocked and self-sabotaged my own growth from a lack of gratitude and contentment. I was doubtful of God's redirections and very entitled for not being where I thought I should be instead of trusting the process. When you start believing that what's for you is for you, you'll stop rushing the process because you'll stop fearing its loss. I was so angry about not having a Willy Wonka-like example that looks like me, I became unaware that I've become that Willy Wonka example for the five and six-year-olds with the same goal. Now, I'm nowhere close to the size and success of Disney, Apple, Pixar, or SpaceX, and I will get there. I'm going to get there. But there are thousands of families with kids, including my own two-year-old son, who believe that I am good enough. What are your goals and are you wasting your own time? Are you working insanely hard in the wrong direction because you doubt actually reaching your goal? Do you need someone to tell you you are good enough to feel good enough? Are you self-sabotaging from entitlement and fears of rejection? Let's stop for a minute and think about breathing. Our conscious and subconscious mind completely believes that we will breathe our next breath. We are not holding our breath and saying, I want to breathe, but, or posting on social media, hey, 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 I'm about to breathe. Like this post if you think I should take my next breath. <laughs> or, or spending thousands of dollars on a never-ending list of how to breathe books before actually taking a breath. We just breathe. Without thought, without a doubt, we just breathe. 
even when something is blocking our airway, we almost involuntarily do whatever it takes to breathe. Think of your goals like breathing. Just as your brain involuntarily commands your body to inhale and exhale, so does your path make its way for you to walk it. If you don't think you can, you'll do everything subconsciously to prove that it's impossible. But when you know you can, you got this. I got this. So keep going and I'll keep going. You've been good enough and you've never needed anyone to tell you that. I pray that this episode was helpful for you because it surely was for me in finally getting it all off my chest. All right. I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Later. Later.